James chapter 3 is where we are at as we're making our way through this amazing New Testament book. And this week, as we begin, I want to ask a question. This can be interactive. You can put your answer in the chat. Uh, my question for you is, out of all the muscles in your body, what do you think is the strongest muscle of them all? Go ahead and chat your answer. Or if you're at a watch party, tell somebody what you think the strongest part. I mean, is it, is it biceps? Or are we thinking it's calf muscle? What do you think out of all? Is it triceps? Some guys are like, no, it's my traps. My tra- I've got traps for days, right? They call traps the new abs. Because if you're wearing a T-shirt, you can't see your abs. But they can see your traps if you got them. What do you think? 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 James is going to tell us that the strongest muscle you need to be concerned about in your entire body is, in fact, the one you keep in your mouth, and that is your tongue. Your tongue. James says, in a message I'm going to give to you now, I'm calling the muscle that can move mountains. The muscle that can move mountains. Your biceps can't do that, right? But your tongue can, in fact, move mountains. James says in in chapter 3, verse 3, a bit in the mouth of a horse controls the whole horse. Incredible. Think about that image. A bit in the mouth of a horse moves the whole horse. A small rudder on a huge ship in the hands of a skilled captain sets a course in the face of the strongest winds. A word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. It only takes a spark, remember, to set off a forest fire. A careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. By our speech, we can ruin the world, turn harmony to chaos, throw mud on a reputation, send the whole world up in smoke and go up in smoke with it. Smoke right from the pit of hell. This is scary. You can't tame a tiger. You can tame a tiger, rather. I, I, can't, I can't tame a tiger. <laughs> it's like, you, you can tame a tiger, I guess, theoretically and technically. But you can't tame a tongue. It's never been done. The tongue runs wild. A wanton killer. With our tongues, we bless God our Father. With the same tongues, we curse the very men and women he made in his image. Curses and blessings out of the same mouth? My friends, this can't go on. A spring doesn't gush fresh water one day and brackish the next, does it? Apple trees don't bear strawberries, do they? Raspberries, their bushes don't bear apples, do they? You're not going to dip into a polluted mud hole and get a cup of clear, cool water, are you? And Father, we pray that from this intense intentionally shocking few paragraphs that James writes to help us to continue to live out what he said lights up heaven. That's watching our words, that's caring for the widow, that's, that's letting our faith that we profess leak out into everyday ordinary acts of beauty. We pray that in this time together, you would continue to do what you've been doing day in and day out as we've been making our way through these, these beautiful verses written by your brother We pray you would just cause us to come alive and shine. God, I pray for those who are just discouraged to to sense you giving them their spirit back. Thank you that when we feel just like we can't go on, you are are able to give us new strength. And so I pray you would do that now. I pray you'd open our eyes. I pray for salvation. I pray for, for people to just hear a very specific word from you. And we ask this 
in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And when we talk about this, the strongest muscle in our body, we, we technically can't be talking about the tongue on a, on a pure physiological sense because the tongue is not one muscle. It's actually, this is crazy, eight. Your tongue is eight muscles. Eight muscles. Four of them are in the back and they anchor to your jaw and your throat and they, they anchor to, uh, to, to, to your, you know, everything back there. And then this is the kind of the creepy part. The other four are intertwined into a matrix of muscles that are actually more similar to uh, an octopus's tentacles or to an elephant's nose than any other bone in your, any other muscle in your body because the muscles of your tongue actually aren't adhered to a bone, unlike any other muscle that connects to your, your bone so it can leverage against that and, and, and move and, and create strength. Sort of a fulcrum, as it, as it were, a lever. Your, your, your tongue muscles, these four that are anchored in the back and then these four that, that go out into the front, they're able to do everything they're able to do because they're, they're not connected to anything rigidly. And that's why you can make all the shapes that you can make. Some people can make a taco out of their, out of their tongue. Some people can't. Some people can touch their nose. Can you do that? Put in the chat. Say, I can. If you can, if you can touch the tip of your... You're, I, have, I, I am like a long way away. Like, you see that? This is like as far as I can go. That's all I got. It's like my tongue is not, uh, is, is not giving a, a lot of distance. But, 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 but the, the tongue muscles are, are incredible. Um, and it takes those eight muscles that form your tongue and the help of 64 other muscles to produce human speech. In all, every single time you talk, that is the cooperation of 72 different muscles that forms human speech. And so these individual muscles, none of them are, are very big. None of them uh, you, you really even know the, the names to. Uh, but these muscles, in fact, that form the tongue do have the strongest impact on your life, more so than any other muscle. And even on a medical sense, it's true that Every time you and I go to the doctor, what do they ask you to do? Stick out your tongue. Why do they want to get in there? Here's what they know that you need to know. When something's gone wrong in your body, it can be seen on the surface of the tongue. When things aren't going right with the tongue, it speaks of something not, not going right inside your body. And the same is true on every level. Proverbs 18, verse 21 says, the tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. What is what is the author of Proverbs saying? Is saying that there can be great life or there can be great death going on. What, what's, what's in your body that's alive or dead, what's inside of you that's, that's doing well or not doing well will be made evident by what's going on through your tongue. Life or death. Great power to create, great power to destroy. That's, the, that's why the first of our, of our takeaway truths is that there's a great potency to your tongue. I want you, James wants you to understand this, the, your tongue is potent. Have you ever been offered something to eat or drink and you, know, you didn't realize how strong it was gonna be? It's like, oh my God. Like, if I remember the first time, I'll never forget it. Someone's like, you have a cold? Oh, you gotta drink this apple cider vinegar. I'm like, man, I'll do anything. I like apples, you know? And so it's like, your little, man, that stuff is 
potent, right? My kids, if I, if I open the lid, of, they start running from the other room. They can't stand the smell of apple cider vinegar. I remember one tour, we were preaching around the country, and I kept losing my voice, and so I was doing anything. I was, I was desperate. I was gargling apple cider vinegar on the bus, and every time they would just clear out, just diving into their bunks just to get away from the smell, because that stuff is potent. Listen, your tongue is potent. It's Powerful, And that's why he uses all these illustrations of a little stuff that makes big difference. Man, that massive ship. And if you've been around, if you've been down to San Diego and, and, and seen some of the vessels, you know, for the, from, the, from the Navy and the aircraft carriers, these massive things, just what a relatively small rudder is what steers them. Massive ship tiny little rudder is able to turn that big. A giant horse, a massive horse. But you think about just that little bit that little bit that's able to control and move to the, the horse's movement. He's saying your tongue is the exact same way. Now, how this works is because of the strongest muscle in your body. All right, now let me give you the answer. I made everybody get, take a guess at it. The actual strongest muscle in your body by way of just brute force impact is your quads and your glutes. The quadriceps and the glutes, pound for pound, there's your greatest strength in your entire body. But when you think about effort and endurance, the strongest muscle in your body is your heart. And that's because your heart doesn't ever get a break. I mean, it's only, it's only resting in between beats, which if your heart rate is like 60 to 80 or 100, it's not a very good rest. It's like, ah, it's a, ah okay, back, back to duty, right? It's like instantly back at it. And so 24-7, your entire life, your heart has continued beating. So I would say in that sense, the strongest muscle in your body is actually your heart. And your heart is made manifest every time you talk. And that's what Jesus said. Jesus said in Matthew 12, verse 34, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So this takes away the, well, I have good intentions, or you don't know my heart, because we actually do know your heart. Your heart is on display every single time you open up your mouth. So the strongest muscle in your body is, in fact, your heart, and your heart is made visible through the contents of the words that come out of you, the text messages that you send, the emails, the jokes that you tell. The words that you speak, good or evil, are coming out of your mouth, showing off the contents of your heart. And so what that means to you and to me is every single time we talk, we have a choice. Every single time we, we send a message, we, we send an email, we have the option to either build or to tear down, to create something or to destroy something. And what that also means then is if you want to change the direction of your life, all you need to do is change the declaration of your mouth. If you want to change your world, and many of you do, you're like, I want to grow closer to God. I, wanna, I want this to change. I want to change. If you want to change your world, you just need to change your words. And that is what James is saying. It's your rudder. It's the thing steering you. It's the bit in the horse's mouth. If you can get in control of your words, you can become the master of your entire life. There's a potency to your words. And then secondly, I want you to understand there's a responsibility to being able to speak. There's a, response, there's a heaviness. It is a responsibility to talk. Now, that's, that's true of what I'm doing right now. And in fact, if you back up to the beginning of the chapter, James says exactly that. He says, hey, don't be in a hurry or don't be, you know, many of you presuming to become teachers, my brothers, because you know that 
we who teach will be judged more strictly. Now, this, again, seems heavy, but we know from the whole entire teaching on the New Testament, it's also an honor to teach. It's also a joy to teach. It's a privilege to teach. And, and that's why Paul said, man, if you desire to be a pastor one day, if you desire to teach, you're desiring a good thing. And let me just say this to you. I hope and pray that many, 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 many more of, of, of those watching who, who sense that call and are, are hesitant about it would, would just understand it's a privilege to preach. I, I just want you to understand more people need to preach God's word and, and, and start new churches and, and, and open up, you know, uh, Bible studies on their high school campuses and get friends together for groups. You, 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 you should teach. Uh, but every time you do, you should know there's a heaviness to it. There should never be a flippancy to it. It should never be a thing you just roll into. And I, I, I hope you understand, I, I agonize over the messages that I preach. I, I'm praying about it. I'm stressing about it in, in a good way. Like, this is, this is a heavy thing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stand accountable to God for the words that I speak. I, I don't wanna, you know, misrepresent what God's word is saying. I, I, I take that so seriously. And that's what causes me to study. And if I'm worried about something being, you know, off grid or not, I'm texting friends and calling friends who have been in ministry longer than I have because I care about it enough to know uh, that, that what I'm doing is authentic because it's a responsibility. Now, that's true in that sense, the strict sense, like he's saying, of being a pastor. Let me guess, guess what, though? It's also true of any measure of influence you have. Now, obviously, being in front of a, 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 a camera with a microphone on, I understand that. But do you understand that? Or do you perhaps, because you don't have a, a show on YouTube or you don't have a, a pulpit, so to speak, do you, not, do, you, do you not understand that you also have a responsibility? Because every single one of us has influence. Every single one of us have people who are listening to us. And that also is a tremendous responsibility. And just like I wouldn't just roll up here not having studied and be like, I don't know, let's just see what we're gonna do today. And I, I, can't, I, I see that's heavy. You should also see it's heavy that the kids in your home are listening to how you speak, how you talk to their father, how you talk about your boss, how you talk about elected officials and, and police cars. And, you know, even just, I think something so small as, you know, like that you would have your kids lie about their age to get a $3 discount on a kid's, it's like, it's like, is that what your integrity is worth? That $3 for those chicken strips? Pay full price for the chicken strips and let your kids see you speaking out that authority matters and doing the right thing matters. Let me tell you, it's a responsibility to have influence. I read a long time ago that sociologists say that even the most introverted person, so even the person who's like, I, the last thing I would ever want to do is have influence. The last thing I would ever want to do is stand up in front of people and talk. No, no thank you. Even the most introverted person will influence as many as 10,000 people in their lifetime. And you just think about every day we talk, every day that we show up to work, every day at the meeting for the kids' school thing where you get to be told about the mask thing for this thing. And like every time you're talking to people, every time you, 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 things don't go your way and you have a chance to lose your temper or, or to be a, a witness, you just never know. You just, have, you just have no idea about the impact you can make. Uh, a while back we were trying to practice what we're preaching in the series and we went camping and you know, we had, we had been out, and, and I was going to tear down the camp, but I could not find the thing that would help me take down the jacks off the little camper. I could not find the thing. that. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, we're stranded. We're stuck here. And so I was like, I'm going to go try and find one. And I, I, walked, up to, I walked up to someone, and I, I, I said, hey, is there any way you have this, this tool I, I need? And, and he goes, I'm so glad I get to return the favor. 
And I go like, uh, excuse, excuse me? Like, I, I'm like, I asked the wrong person. I'm gonna bounce out. He goes, no, I'm so glad I got to return the favor because you, you, you might not remember this, but, but a couple years ago, you were on vacation and you stopped on the side of the road and asked a woman who was stranded if she needed any help with her vehicle. That was my wife. And so I'm so thankful. I'm like, I was like, like I, A, I did not remember that. And, and B, how beautiful is that? I had no idea uh, that, that I was doing that for someone who then would be able to help me out in a difficult moment. But I just think we just never have any idea when we're going to speak and we choose to bless instead of to tear down what that's gonna do to those who are listening. Who is listening to you that you're not considering? It is a responsibility to speak. You have a microphone. And we should all take that to heart. I think especially when it comes to words, it's easy to kind of get into that like flippant where we don't really realize it. Or here's here's what I I think it's easy for me to do. I didn't really mean that. I was just joking around. I was just, like I was just, it was just a joke. But Proverbs actually says, People who shrug off deliberate deception saying, I didn't mean it, I was only joking, are worse than careless campers who walk away from smoldering campfires. And so maybe in those moments where we're, you know, sort of unguarded moments where the things just slip out, maybe it's more important than ever. Not, just, not that we won't do that. I think we're all gonna have those times where it's gonna come out. But I think where we, we get better at calling ourselves out on it. Hey, you know what? Shouldn't have said that. That wasn't cool. Or, 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 or a follow-up email. And if you're gonna do it in an email, in that meeting, I should have said it, CC in everybody who was in the meeting too, not just that one person. I think it's so easy to, to make a big public thing and then a private apology. I think your, your, your apology should be as private, as public as, as the thing that you did. But I think when we get good at calling ourselves out, like, hey, I don't know why I said that, but I shouldn't have done it. It was just in the moment. I, I, I said it, it made me look bit good, but you know what? It, it, it was dumb, and I'm so sorry. It never should have happened. I think when we're good at doing that, we're, pu- we're dousing those fires. We're, we're, we're putting out those little sparks that can lead to that big smoldering thing because you, you better be sure they're gonna remember that you, you called yourself out on that and took that. And so what do we do? We, we remember this. Humility is the cure because pride is always the problem. So far as the things that we say, the way we spout off, where we're just, you know, arrogant, or, or any of those things that we end up apologizing for, it's always to kind of make us feel better about ourselves, or, you know, kind of to top it. I think it's so easy in this culture to, to, to just always trying to be like kind of, you know, one-upping the things that we hear and the things that we say and tearing people down. Oh, that sounds good, but did you know I went, like, you know, <laughs> did I, you went here. Oh, did you go to this table in the back? Did they seat you here? And you're like, no, actually, I didn't. Oh, well, that's nice that you got to go to the restaurant also. Like, just those little things, like the, the need to say everything you know in a given moment that just leaves other people uh, with, with, with not a, a great taste of you in their mouth. So I think it's so important that we take seriously responsibility to guard our words. And what's our goal? Our goal is reliability. Reliability. What, is, what, is, what does that mean? That means that people can come to expect refreshment and nourishment every time you open your mouth. That's what he said. He said, we should be like a spring that's constantly flowing out good water or a strawberry tree that's always got strawberries on it. He said it shouldn't be that one time you open your mouth and it's, it's cutting people down and the next time you open your mouth, it's super encouragement. Now this again brings back the hypocrisy theme that James has been weaving throughout the book 
where you're basically like showing up at church and you're like, amazing God, I love you so much. Like worship done. All right, now back to yelling at the kids and now back to being mean and now back to being judgmental. He's like, that kind of a, a religion is worthless. It needs to be through the essence of who you are. I mean, think about it. What if, what if every fifth time you went to the fridge to get a LaCroix, one of them was poisonous? Like you would just, you, it would cure you of your LaCroix habit so quick. He's saying that's what it's like when people come to you one day and, and it's, it's encouragement, but the next time they're getting cut down. You, we want there to be a reliability where people count on us that when we open up our mouths, we're speaking life out, right? Because a brick can either build a hospital or it can shatter a plate glass window. And our words, when we understand the weight of them, when we understand the power of them, when you understand that you can create atmosphere out of them, it will cause you to sober up and to be more intentional about how you talk. I mean, you just think about how, how big of, of, of problems come from little sparks. And right now in our country, we're seeing these massive fires and, and we're praying for God to keep people safe and we're, we're praying for these fires to be put out. But you, you think about what a tiny little cigarette thrown from a window caused that. What a tiny firework can cause that, a neglected campfire that you didn't pour water on intentionally at the end. And I even think about how big things in history uh, eventually can be traced back to, to small words spoken. Something as horrific as the Holocaust, but that all came from one tongue. That all sprang forth from the tongue of Adolf Hitler. And what did he do? He chose to, with his mouth, say Jews were not people. And that little thing, then, it, then eventually over time, it wasn't murder. And they did not think of it. The Nazis did not think as they followed orders, they were committing murder because if Jews weren't people, they were animals, they were rats, then to kill them was not murder. So they felt good. They slept good about it because the words were changed. The label was changed. And I think honestly, in our day, we've seen the same thing. 60 million plus abortions, but we can go back to it's not a human it's a fetus. Language matters. Words matter. Literally not speaking life then, then now we're not worried about that because it's not murder if you're not talking about a human being. So I'm just showing you how important and how powerful these words are. And the people in your life matter too much for you to be unreliable. Speaking life one day, speaking death the next day. They came and they were expecting a peach one day, but it was a, it was a thistle. They were hoping for water, but it was brackish and it was, it was tainted and it was, it was polluted and there was death upstream. No, we need to guard our heart. Our heart flows the words out. Humility in our heart will cause there to be words that are pure coming out of your mouth. So it's not, listen, and the solution to all this, because even now in this message, I'm like, some of you are like, okay, we're breaking the swear jar back out. We're getting that swear jar out, honey. I knew that was a good idea. Listen, there's a huge difference between cussing and cursing. This isn't an anti-cussing sermon because you can refrain from cussing, but still be cursing, still be cutting down, still be putting people in their place, still be with your words, the way you frame things, the body language, the tone, the innuendo. You cannot have a four-letter word fly out of your mouth for a whole month, but still be making people feel small, making people feel unimportant, and even just refraining from giving the encouragement you should. The Bible says, to him who knows to do good, but doesn't do it, to him it is sin. So the sin of your words could just be the words you don't say. It could be just be forgetting and neglecting or, or outright not choosing to take out of pride 
the opportunity to honor someone who got a promotion that maybe you wanted or recognition that maybe you felt you deserved. But in that moment, the most life-giving thing you could do would be to say, fantastic, great job, and look for an opportunity to sing their praises to the company in an authentic way or around other people. Let there just be a reliability about you. I think sometimes the reason we use our words to to cut people down is because we feel small on the inside. And so we think if we can shrink everybody else down, we'll feel better. But you will never rise cutting other people down to size. The, The way to be a big person is to always use your words to bless, to always use your words to build. It's so important. So the, the action from the sermon is, and everybody, everybody get a bar of soap. You know, and I'm the old school man. My, my, I had parents that actually had me, you know, putting one of these in my mouth, right? Put in the chat if you got abused by your parents also, right? And I'm joking. It's not true. Man, I remember the, how horrible it was. It's a, we're sitting there like Ralphie, you know, or, <laughs> you know, Christmas story under there with our, because we, but th- that's not, th- that's not the message. The message is spend more time with Jesus. The, the message, oh, that's so bad. <laughs> the water's not going to help. It's going to make it like a car wash in my mouth. This is so much worse than I remembered it being. Okay. But the, 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 the action isn't just like put a muzzle or reform our mouth. It's actually to let God's the presence cause there to be humility in our hearts. The more time, again, we're, we're back to time on our knees. The more time we're spending alone with Jesus, the more time we're alone with him, the more he increases in our minds, the more Jesus is glorious in our hearts, the more we're gonna walk away from that with a great sense of humility. And if pride's the problem, humility is the solution. So time with Jesus, practicing the presence of God, and then remembering every single person you encounter was made in God's image. That's what he said. How dare you? He said, he said bless God, but then curse people made in his image. Behind me is an image of a, a place in Utah in Zion called Angel's Landing. And I love to think about that, angels landing. Like our words should be as such to where there's almost the impact of angels landing as we speak. Almost like God's with us. A a recognition of, of the weight and the majesty of God in the people that we interact with. And our job is to help release the angel on the inside. Every single person has this angelic, this glorious version of themselves they were created to be. And it's our job to use our words like an archaeologist would use the brushes and the shovels to scrape away the things that would unearth the beauty, to unearth what, what is tucked away in the dirt. And sometimes you, with some people, you gotta, I, get it, I grant you, you got to look harder to see past the dirt than other situations. But if we are going to, with our words, be reliable, dependent, that God could depend on us to help other people, then what do we need to do? We need to agree with God when we speak, not agree with the devil. The devil's a thief and the devil's a liar and I have soap in my mouth. The devil wants to tear down always and the devil always wants to put himself above God. But if we're gonna agree with God, then we're always seeking to bring life and life more abundantly. And so what's gonna make the difference? What's going to make the difference is if our words are spoken with faith. Faith. Jesus in Matthew chapter 17 had been with um, some of his disciples who 
he hadn't been with in a little bit. And when he came back to see them, they said, Jesus, we had this ministry problem we couldn't solve. There was this child, there was this situation. We kept praying, we kept trying. It didn't work. It was awful. You weren't with us. This, our pets' heads are falling off. Jesus, we need your help, right? Jesus, you left us unsupervised. What was the deal? They said, Jesus, why didn't it work? And here's what he said. This is Matthew 17. So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Where there's faith in our heart, our tongue becomes the muscle that can move mountains. And I love that because we have dynamite today. We have earth-moving vehicles today. There's cranes today. There's, 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 there's things that can move mountains. Like in our day, that's, 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 not, that's not undone. In Jesus' day, that was the most impossible thing you could, you could conjure up. Moving mountains. That, that, no one can move a mountain. It just can't be done. So an appropriate way to think about this would be to say, if there's faith in your heart, as you speak, impossible things can be done. And my hope is to be the kind of person where if you spend time with me, if you listen to me, if, if we have the opportunity, if you follow me on social media, that you're going to walk away from, from those interactions where I speak and you're going to think that, that, that maybe just maybe the impossible things in your life can be done. And that's my hope. That's my prayer for all of us. What could happen, Fresh Life, if we were the sort of people, I know it's a divided time, and I know 2020, there's, there's only 96 days left in 20. Like, but let's not be that way. Let's not, only 96 days. We just got to survive this year. Oh, we just got to put our heads in the sand like ostriches and just get through this. It's awful out there. What if instead we were speaking life and speaking faith? What if instead we were posting encouragement? What if right now we all took this link that we're watching and, and sent it out to someone? What if you're watching this throughout the week at Church On Demand and you send this out to someone and say, hey, check this message out. This could encourage you. What could happen if we were speaking life? What if we were using our words like a gift every time we talk? If, 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 if we do that, then here's what I believe will happen. Impossible things will be done. And it's not just important for you to take this seriously when it comes to other people. It's not just tearing other people's lives down with your words that's a problem. You can also tear your own life down with your words if you use them irresponsibly. Are you reliable at talking to your own self? You know, I think we all kind of know, like I should, if I don't have anything nice to say, not say anything at all. And so when we're talking to other people, sometimes we're on, you know, good behavior. You know, I don't want to be that guy. I want to be encouraging. But how about, how about when it comes to you? How do you speak to you? Ephesians 4 says, watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps, each word a gift. How are you at giving gifts to yourself when it comes to your words? Or do you always berate yourself? I know it's really easy for me to be hard on myself and I'm not doing good enough and I could be doing better and how, how are you still messing with this? How are you still struggling with this? Like, why aren't you doing better? Why aren't you doing more? Why did you do that again? But instead, choosing to use my words as an encouraging tool on my own self. Hey, come on, trust in God. You got this. You, this today's another day. It's an amazing thing what happens when you begin speaking those words. And to, to even just start with gratitude and being thankful and choosing to, to thank God for things. And, 
And when, and when you begin to do that, what, what happens is it actually begins to change the way you feel. Scientists have, have discovered that when a person speaks positively or speaks in a way that's appreciating or really specifically when you begin to, to be thankful, you find in your body dopamine and serotonin levels increase, which are the same things found in antidepressants. So what's amazing about that is if you begin to use your words in a careful way, you might discover that mountains on the inside of you begin to move. That things you struggled with for a long time that you feel like I, I can never get past this, it's impossible. The muscle that can move mountains is a heart filled with love for Jesus, expressed through humility, working its way out through a tongue that's using its ability to talk, all those 72 muscles to give gifts instead of to tear down and speak poison. Now, it's all and well to say like, hey, all right, so, so we're all gonna speak well and that's fantastic. But the last point is, is a reality check. James, in no uncertain terms, tells us that we have an inability to do the thing that our tongues are supposed to do. Inability, meaning we're unable, right? Meaning like I should, I should be more encouraging. I shouldn't tear people down. I should find people doing things right. I should thank my, my wife for all the things she's done instead of focusing on the one thing maybe she forgot to. I should do that. I should do that. I should guard the way I talk. It seems easy. Just not say the stupid thing that comes to my mind. And think of it and be like, no. Like, that's, that, that's the plan, right? Inability. Verse two, what did he say? We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. Don't you love that? And he goes, now it'd be great if, uh, if we could be perfect in how we talk. That's not gonna happen, <laughs> right? Take it from the guy who made fun of Jesus, right? Hey, Jesus, you should totally go to Jerusalem. They'll love your, your tricks there, right? If, if we could stop ourselves from saying the wrong thing, we'd be perfect, but none of us are gonna be perfect. So, so what are we to do? Because now you're like, James, I'm mad at you. You spent like 10 verses telling me to do this thing, and then you're like, just so you know, it's impossible. Have a great week. Bye, right? It's like, James, Jaime, what's the deal, man? Like, don't leave me hanging. Here's the thing. He wants you to know it is impossible, and he wants you to know that you don't have to do it on your own. You have help. You got friends in high places. And that's why, almost tongue-in-cheek, he says that at its worst, verse 6, the tongue is a fire. And on its worst day, our tongues are set on fire by hell. But that's the secret. That's the key. That's the clue. If the problem is, anytime we talk, if what is being said is powered by hell, then the solution is like firefighters know. It's anti, it's, 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 it doesn't make sense when you think about it, but one of the most powerful things that firefighting crews do is start fires. They call them control burns, right? So what do they do? They fight fire with fire. So if the problem is a lot of us burn stuff down, it's, it's, it's verbal arson with the way that we speak because our tongues are set on fire by hell, then the solution is getting some tongues that are set on fire by heaven. And that's exactly what James has in mind. And that's exactly what Acts says happened. 
Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Speaking in a language you've never heard before. Impossible. What did I say? The tongue can move mountains. The muscle that can move mountains. Where there is faith, nothing impossible can remain impossible in the face of what God wants to be done. So here they were speaking in understanding language they didn't know why, because they were, they, were, they were on fire from on high. They had tongues set on fire by heaven. And that is what's possible for you too. Words create atmosphere. And so I want to speak into your living room. I want to speak into your kitchen. I want to speak to you as you ride that, that ride on your Peloton and you got this in one earbud and you got, you got Jess King in the other earbud telling you you got this and you're going to have a girl. I just want to encourage you. God loves you. He sees you. He made you in his image. He has incredible plans for you. I'm telling you, your greatest days aren't behind you. There are greater things yet still to be done. God wants to work in your life. It's not impossible. You tried before, and you didn't work, but it's going to, you're, it's going to be different this time. I just encourage you to trust God for the power that he wants to give you. You're not alone in this fight. The greatest mistake we can ever make is to try and do God's work without God's strength. And God has given the Holy Spirit to be the helper, to reanimate you, to give you new power. And every time you feel weak, you can ask him, God, I need, I need another feeling right now. I need you to fill me from, from on high right. God, I feel like saying the wrong thing. God, I, I feel like doing the wrong thing. I need your strength. I need your power. When you run out of strength, ask him. He'll give you new power. Created in the image of God. That phrase is used in this passage. Created in the image of God. When you speak to other people, including yourself, remember, you're speaking to someone created in the image of God. And what were we created in the image of God to do? I believe each of us were created in his image to create. Created by a creative God in order that we might create. And one of the ways that we're meant to create in addition to work and all the other things that we do, is I believe to create atmosphere through the words that we speak. To create, for just as God made us by saying, let there be light, let there be division of light from darkness, all the things he spoke into creation. And then he breathed his spirit into us. And so here we are with that same potential in our tongue. Every time we talk, it can be life or death. So make the right decision. For out of the words that you speak, you will either discover a life you love or one you loathe. It's entirely up to you. So Father, we thank you for making us, for loving us, for calling us, for saving us, and for right now calling us to something better, for calling us to use this gift of speech, this power of speech to do something great with it. Forgive us for the ways that that we've used our tongues to tear down people, to tear down ourselves, to speak death, to speak discouragement, to speak pessimism, to speak cynicism. The way that we've spoken has had a deflating impact on, on people. But I think you're right now, you're calling us to rise up and to use our tongues to build. If as we're praying, if you would say, man, I'm, I'm receiving this message. I really needed to hear it. Not so I could put a bar of soap in my mouth, but so I could... I could use this tongue to encourage people. If that's you I'm describing, could you just raise up a hand right now? Just right there. Maybe in the chat, just type, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. 
God, you see us. You see us making this declaration, choosing to shift how we speak. I pray our hearts would be full of your word. And I pray we would take action on this immediately. We'd find a way to encourage someone today. That as a result of us speaking into their lives, they would walk away feeling like, I can move mountains. I can see God do this thing. Because of that just well-timed encouragement. I pray that people getting a text or an email from, from every single one of us would almost feel like, I'm dry, I'm dehydrated, but someone just gave me fresh water. So help your fresh life flow through us to other people. And if you're watching this message right now and you've never said yes to Jesus, the action item isn't, all right, go talk better this week. It's give your heart to God. If out of the abundance of the the heart, the mouth speaks, then let Jesus come into your heart and then watch him begin to change how you speak with your lips. But it starts with, with you inviting him in. The Bible says that we've all a great need and that need comes from sin and sin separates us from God. But that's why God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for you and for me. And as he hung there, he paid the bill for our sin. And after he died, he rose from the dead. And now he stands as king forever, but he knocks on the door of your heart. And if you let him come into your life, he will save you. He will make you new. There's nothing you've done so bad that he can't forgive it. And there's not one of us so good that we don't need to be forgiven. But I I believe that if you trust in Jesus and confess that with your mouth, believe it in your heart, you will be saved. It's the best decision I ever made in my entire life not starting a church or preaching the Bible or writing books. It's giving my heart to Jesus. I want that for you. It's a gift you can receive right now. And I believe that maybe, just maybe, that's why God brought you to this moment. Pray this prayer with me. Pray it with us. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I can't fix myself. I can't even forgive myself. But I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to send your spirit to come into my heart. Make me new. Help me to live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, we're so excited, every single one of you making that decision.